Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Force Center podcast feed is the Bad Batch Report. <laughs> that was wonderful. This started out, as uh, long-time listeners know, if I'd say uh, Clone Wars Report or Bad Batch Report, and then Ken would do some cool music, and it has now become just a fun audio sample of something from the episode. That one, that was a mistake. Uh, that straightened my... I, I started choking. 
That was a mistake, kids. Don't try to be like the little uh, bat spiders or whatever we got. Ooh. Yeah. You got to train your voice, you know, to do yeah. those kind of things. So I, I wanted to be clear. Was that Ruby or is that the Earlings? It was the Earlings. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ruby, Ruby would just be munching a mentel mix. <laughs> Which, you know, I'd be happy to hear that, too. Yes. Uh, but we'll, we'll save it for maybe later. Maybe next week there'll also be a surprise uh, mantel mix munch. <laughs> I mean, mantel mix is definitely a featured character in this show. <laughs> this it is. Absolutely is a, a, an honorary member of the Bad Batch, uh, Mantel Mix. Uh, so is uh, everybody listening probably already knows uh, the person making the wonderful early noises is Ken Napsock. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and we are excited to dive into the 13th episode of season one of Bad Batch. It is called Infested, written by Amanda Rose Munoz, directed by Saul Ruiz. Uh, once again, very consistent around a 25, 24, 25 minute-ish minute -ish episode. And can we only have three episodes left? Uh, we are definitely going to get into um, big themes. We'll talk about overall reaction to this episode. Uh, but first, I just want to acknowledge the uh, the Ronto in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that this episode online is, of course, uh, already spurring a little bit of the the discussion that I think happens around a lot of the Star Wars animated series. It also happens around Mandalorian of this tension between, uh, you know, what, what is called in the business serialized storytelling, where each episode elides into the next and is telling one complete story, or episodic, where you have a, a set characters who have different adventures week to week and in general uh, i would say most star wars shows are serialized uh with episodic elements so that they're mostly telling a big picture story but a lot of that big picture story is told by just a, an adventure that a character has that week that is in that episode uh that episodic episode mm -hmm. moves the serialized story forward eventually by having met new characters having set up specific themes or points of tension for the character and then they kind of don't pay off into the big serialized story until a little bit later so that's kind of my opinion of of what these shows are mm. and some of the the terminology for it that isn't filler <laughs> serialized <laughs> versus episodic uh but this definitely did feel like um an episode where the show is heading towards uh, conflict with crosshair, uh, bounty hunters coming after them. Who who will the Bad Batch decide to be? And this episode did feel like it kind of took a step back and had a a more contained adventure. What did you feel about all that? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna be snarky to those that are uh, determined to take down the show now. Apparently online, uh, I'm gonna put folks on the positive just to say I I I. I think I, f I felt this episode was misplaced in the track listing on the album. <laughs> uh, and that's at most. Uh, other, otherwise, we got an episode that has the underworld full center. We got some great Star Wars horror. We got some great Star Wars heisting, an ode to Temple of Doom. We got a lot in here that uh, really uh, shows the Bad Batch making some decisions, big lessons about commitment and, and comments on family legacy and power. So it's got all the things we've loved in the show so far. It just, yeah, it's the show never promised that the pedal was going to the metal. In the last four episodes, we're crosshair chasing the Bad Batch. We promised that to us. <laughs> That's what happens. But I, I get it. I, I, I look. I, literally, as we're recording, I've, I've got a plane to catch. So I, last night I watched this. I was like, I'm so glad this isn't a deep episode that's going to have 19 pages of notes. It was this fun little adventure with some powerful lessons in it. Makes it easier for me today. 
But I, I get the conversation, <laughs> Joseph. I, I, I understand. I knew right when it faded to black. I'm like, here it comes. Filler conversation. Uh, filler discourse. And it's not that. It's just uh, maybe slightly for me misplaced. Yeah, I, I can see the misplaced. I think, yeah, this is such an opportunity to really choose how you want to react to something. Because I'm definitely in that uh, ballpark, to put it in a really positive way, they have done such a good job of teasing up the, the stakes, building up the stakes of that crosshair relationship. Will he get the chip out? Will it make a difference? Uh, the possibility of running into Boba Fett, and even if not Boba Fett, the just this the reality of Omega being this wonderful character, uh, this kind, intuitive, thoughtful person who uh, has a bunch of bounty hunters who just want to take her for money. Like those stakes are so high and so interesting that when I sit down, I'm like, "Come on, give me those." Uh, and then as soon as this episode started, I was like, oh, th that's not what this episode is. And at that point, I have a choice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can say I'm going to just trust that that stuff I'm looking forward to is coming to coming eventually and have some patience and enjoy this for what it is. Or I can get mad and, you know, want to time travel back to the, you know, however, <laughs> very, very long ago where this was written. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and say, no, 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 you have to understand that in July of 2021, when this is be broadcasting, all of, you know, a lot of the fans will want this, and like time yeah. travel back and know that creators like, no, the creators created what they they created. And I'm going to try to embrace it for what it is and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. A choice is a great way. And I think you and I carry that into, into everything we watch in Star Wars and, and, and always uh, want to dive in to see what's there. And, and uh and uh, yeah, uh, you, you knew right away that, uh, well, you, you literally, I mean, when I say right away, I mean, the episode starts and they're talking about a mission we didn't see. We're talking about gun darks and adventures and all those things that <laughs> clearly a little bit of time had passed between Ryanoth and now. And, and that's where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think a lot of times with these episodes that are more episodic, uh, that people sometimes call filler, I think a lot of stuff is happening that people don't appreciate the payoff until later. I think that definitely happened, uh, continued to happen with The uh, Mandalorian. And I think that there's a lot at work in here. I think that uh, relationships that Omega is developing mm -hmm. um, with Durand might really pay off later. Certainly building the relationship with Sid, this is a new page on that relationship for everybody uh this is a putting a real focus on the bad batch having a more complete understanding of the criminal underworld there's a bunch of stuff in here that could really really pay off you know this is not necessarily just a one-off adventure yeah if in the final episode they're saved by roland durand you're going to point to this one. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's kind of what you're talking about. Even, even Leia delivering the uh, Hammerhead Corvettes to the Rebels, uh, right, to a Rebel Cell and, and, and Star Wars Rebels, so an episode that was decried as filler to the point where later on after Rogue One, the creators actually said, huh, filler, huh? Huh? What you think? <laughs> and I don't mean to turn into like this war or this battle, but yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's the truth. It's the truth. We always preach, have a little patience. Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, uh, anybody is free to react to the episode in any way they like. But ultimately, even if people are, were frustrated by this episode because it, they felt like a uh, quote-unquote filler to them, I honestly think that is a bit of a compliment because it means we're so excited to see all these other storytelling threads that they've built up. Uh, so you've, you've shared a little bit of your overall reaction. Anything else from an overall reaction to this episode? 
Yeah, no, I, 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 I just this episode really found the batch making big choices to me, and 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 making enemies and perhaps allies, as I said, in the underworld, and and you know, running up against the Pikes, and like you said, learning the full scope of that, and and all those kind of things. It was interesting, particularly on a second viewing with a cup of coffee and a bowl of oatmeal, <laughs> as opposed to midnight. And kind of thinking, oh wow, I, I thought Crosshair and 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 we were going to rev the engines and everything, and and uh, I and some great banter, and I enjoy some banter, and I'm always going to come here for some Sid banter. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that I liked about it, uh, kind of overall, I, just the quality Sid time. You know, if this was the kind of show that had a next time on Bad Batch, and we kind of were going into it knowing, ooh, it's a Sid special. Like, I think a lot of people would have been great. We get to spend quality time with Sid, which I really appreciated about this episode. I also just really liked the overall creepy, ominous tone. It gets set right at the beginning. There's ominous music just as the Marauder lands, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much about this episode that is about sort of the dark forces lurking in the depths that are uh, truly beyond the Bad Batch's control. They can only really respond to them. And we'll dive into that a little bit more when we talk about uh, big themes. So I just really like that mood and what that did uh, for the era and what a contrast that was to... Um, kind of the other side of it of Omega always being this little beacon of light <laughs> mm-hmm. and hope and connection. Uh, so a lot of just kind of nice uh, thematic and visual poetry going on. I also very much enjoyed that uh, Sid's plan was uh, the plot of the James Bond novel and film Casino Royale. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is basically uh, like uh, take the lower level, take the money away from the lower level player and then the scarier people will kill him. Great. <laughs> Have you just completed that in a recent rewatch? You're uh, you're so right. You need to keep around here. There, I, you know, it would have been way too real world if Sid had been like, I was watching this hollow yeah. with Craigle Dan and he played Bondle James. And yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. the other the other overall thing that I wanted to add is that Gundark's quip at the top was was really fun uh, because it's got me really thinking about how intentional it is to really clearly communicate their space between these missions. And at this point, when anybody's working in any sort of um, IP universe, uh, but in particular Star Wars, of really reminding yourself, like, these characters are fun. And, you know, we might want just like some IDW adventure comics where it can be this group of people having an adventure. Let's create some canon space for it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dig back in. Uh, and plus, plus that line, you know, was interesting to me, just like Sid withholding information from them a little bit on some of the missions. It, it, it was a good start. Yeah. But I like, oh, it. yeah, I like what you say of, uh, bad batch versus the gun ducks coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit of room to breathe. Mm-hmm. Uh, last overall thing for me, I, I think just with the amount that the show is developing and putting chess pieces into place, I, the other thing that I got out of this episode, which was really positive is, uh, same as you, I watched it at midnight and then I woke up this morning to watch it again and I just had an overwhel- overwhelming feeling of there is going to be a season two. Yeah, And it was a good thing because I feel like chess pieces are being put into place of the larger criminal underworld, you know, as well as the, you know, ongoing conflict with Crosshair and the Empire and Bounty Hunters. It just really made me feel like this is, this is being written more like uh, a team that knows they have a second season. Yeah, a little time, a little room. Yeah. I, I yeah. 
So I'm hopeful for that. All right. With that, uh, let's dive into the big ideas, uh, the big themes. What did you feel like was really at stake in this episode? Oh, no, no self-help book, help, self-help, self-help books like I said last week. Um, but I uh, do, uh, I, I, there was this idea, I'm calling it the Qui-Gon Jinn, there's always a bigger fish lesson here. The vicious cycle of power mm. that's at play here. You mentioned it with the Casino Royale plot, but also in these power grabs, which we see on a small local level. Uh, Roland Durand uh, grabbing this one there, and then it comes back to bite him. And then it's just uh, once you're in this kind of cycle, uh, you're kind of useless if you aren't delivering. They get you, you get them, and then the pikes get y'all, which just seems to be at the end of the game. Uh, and this idea of uh, you take what you want and, and how that idea, uh, I'll talk a little bit later how I think some of this connects to the overall Star Wars uh, perspective. But I, I love to just keep seeing that on display and having a small moment. There's a little bit of a family legacy kind of vibe and theme going on with Roland talking about his mother, Issa Duran, and if she saw me now, which did not seem positive, did not seem like a good upbringing. Mm. And it all kind of says to me this vicious cycle of, of grabbing power. I really like that. There's always a bigger pike. <laughs> the yeah, the vicious uh, cycle of uh, of of violence and uh, and bad family. <laughs> yeah, those are some big Star Wars themes. Uh, I'm right there with you. I think for me, the way I thought about some of these elements that you're talking about is just this idea of sort of dark, overwhelming forces. You know, mm. this episode has multiple things that we kind of learn explicitly. Like Bad Batch can't shoot their way out of. They can shoot at it. And they do, and it's their first instinct, but it is not going to solve their problem, right? The uh, This big picture, as you're saying, that the pikes are too large and powerful to fight, and how clear Sid is on that, of like, yeah. you can shoot these guys in, that, in this room, but then you're not even going to die. They are going to capture you, and you and everyone you love will be in horrible pain. <laughs> like, yeah. this is bigger than you can control. And then the Earlings, you know, always great to just for me to be reminded that this is a galaxy where there are, are strange uh, monsters lurking in, in all depths. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I like the Earlings in general. But what a just an, an image of an overwhelming force rising up from the darkness and if you disturb it you are going to be overwhelmed and you can't shoot your way out of it it is yeah. overwhelming and then Sid even makes this like much more explicit on uh what's actually functionally going on in the episode is uh hey you need to use subterfuge stealth mm-hmm. bargaining uh, a couple of Sid's uh, direct lines uh start climbing tough guys which is a funny line but also like <laughs> yeah you know it's like yeah you, you can't you can't punch this problem we got to mm-hmm. you know take it, it take it down into into the lurking in the mines and then i like it when she says this is a stealth mission you boys are good at that right <laughs> <laughs> which is just a great tension of the bad batch and i think a great tension of their transition because you know when we got to see them in the clone wars episodes yeah. They were soldiers who used a little bit of stealth, but then they got to just rush in and loudly, proudly blow the crap out of everything, right? Yeah. And so many missions they're encountering now, it kind of ends up falling into that. But this is when we're like, you can't do that. You're not going to be able to wait, shoot your way out. This is like one of those video games where stealth isn't an option on this mission. You have to do stealth or game over. Well, funny because that the, a lot of the mining car stuff reminded me of a video game where you're you're like moving the the the, the joystick, the little controller on your PS4, like your clockwise motion, circular, circular. I can't get the rhythm down, and therefore I'm not <laughs> pumping the uh, mining car in the right way. Uh, yeah, I love I love to just on, a, on if you want to even look at it on a surface level, I love just seeing the Bad Batch being forced to stretch, which we've seen a few times. We've probably seen this 
entire season is about that. Hey, this is what you were. This is what you are capable of, but this is not necessarily how you're going to solve every problem to see it on display, to see it on an intimate level is uh, in, in the overall picture, uh, part of the fun I ha- I'm having watching the bed. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it is, it's about pushing them out of their comfort zone and it is about, you know, the literal story of, look, there are forces in the natural world and forces in the criminal underworld that are too big for you to just handle by yourself. So that's what's literally going on in the episode. But it's also kind of just a metaphor for all the storytelling about this era under the empire of, you know, you have to use, you know, bargaining, planning, uh, subterfuge, stealth, you know, uh, making partnerships because you, you can't just go running at them blasters blazing they're too big mm. yeah. yeah um so really yeah. like that mm-hmm. um it, what are uh other other ideas from you well based on the quote uh, we just can't walk away from omega we have to find her and help her i love the idea of commitment loyalty to those that deserve it and then if we're talking about the vicious cycle of power i'll talk about the circle of loyalty i got the kid into this mess i'll get her out says sid even even roland and omega have have uh, a little bit of a connection and Omega sees something and says, it doesn't even know why. I don't know why Ruby likes him. Maybe he's not all bad, which I think does connect to the bigger ideas of uh, redemption in star Wars, even though on a smaller level in this episode, for sure. But I looked at Roland again, whether we see him again or not, I don't know. But you remember when you first met Hondo, he's not, he's, he's not as maybe scary as Hondo was, you, you know, go back to the beginning. Hondo was a threat, but Hondo developed into some a character that was always around. I, I still feel Roland could be that because we got a little bit of his history. We Issa Duran, his mother is someone to reckon with. And the, either that's just great, uh, you know, little backfill of information on his life or something that we might learn more about later. I don't know. But but if something does come out of the character of Duran, Roland Duran, I'll go back to this idea, this theme of commitment, not walking away and being loyal again to those who maybe deserve it. Yeah, no, I love the uh, the cycle spin you're putting on this. It makes a, a ton of sense. And this episode does really make a little circle with uh, Omega and Sid's uh, connection to one another. Uh, yeah, I just thought it, it was this great contrast that a lot of it was these images of these uh, dark forces that are overwhelmingly powerful. But then in contrast, we get all these moments of empathy and attachment. The big ones that you're talking about of uh, Omega insisting on helping Sid of well, we have to find her and help her and Sid being determined at the end to save Omega, as you said, I got the kid into this mess and I'll get her out. Uh, but it, it keeps reflecting in different ways. Like Sid's plan hinges on her knowledge that Roland has a connection to Ruby. And we get that very cute little scene where <laughs> Ruby's got that very accurate to an animal, cute little hustle sniff. <laughs> yeah. To eat the mantel mix. But that's all about, you know, empathy and attachment. Um, in a darker way, the Pikes kind of consistently recognize empathy and attachment as a weakness and they use it as a threat, right? They, they threaten not just Roland, but like your entire family. And they know right away to go for uh, Omega when they're confronting the bad batch and saying the child stays here. So they're really pushing on that nerve of empathy and attachment. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it, it, as you're saying as well, that, that great moment of Omega bonding with Roland Durand, but in particular that it's all, uh, it's all because of Ruby. It's because Roland has, and we, and we get to see it even when Omega isn't around, that Roland has this legitimate connection, that he is not somebody who has had all empathy or love driven from him. He's somebody who's trying to uh, claim he has no empathy mm-hmm. <laughs> or love. You know, And I love it when Roland says to Omega, 
oh, Ruby doesn't take a liking to many people, which to your point is a a nice little cycle. Then it comes back at the end when Hunter asks, you know, why are you sticking up for him? It's like, well, you know, Ruby likes him. He can't be all bad. So you've really got Ruby as this like little, (laughs) Mm -hmm. this little symbol of empathy and attachment and the possibility of having humanity within these really uh, dark times and in dark eras, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and a dog shall lead them, I guess. Ruby, Ruby, the space turtle lizard dog i don't know (laughs) lizard turtle dog yeah i think that sounds great uh um yeah and i think uh in in terms of the whole kind of episodic discussion you know i thought it was interesting to go back and look at that introduction of ruby um Mm -hmm. because she was stolen by the bad batch in an adventure we didn't quite see uh for sid and sid was hired we learn in this episode uh by roland uh, because Roland wanted this pet for some reason. But there's that line in that episode, it's the beginning of Battle Scars, the episode where Rex shows up, so I think mm-hmm. Rex takes our focus, yeah. where, uh, you know, Omega is concerned about Ruby, has already immediately made a bond with Ruby, and, like, what's happening to her? And, and Sid has that kind of funny but cruel line, like, I don't know, you might want a pet, might want to make a stew. Yeah. <laughs> so even, there's even that little bit of connection where, We've already met Ruby, and Ruby has been a symbol for Omega of care and concern about everyone she meets. Mm-hmm. And Sid has tried to pretend to be like, I don't care. Everything's money. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and that contrast to Ruby is the hinge on which a lot of this works as the symbol of empathy mm-hmm. and connection. And this is an ep- episode that really opens Sid up. You know, we, we've seen before that she cares about Omega. But this was a, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to use your cycle thing. There was a great cycle of Sid and the rest of the Bad Batch, not Omega. But, you know, we, we get the thing at the beginning where she says, don't forget how good I've been at keeping secrets. And right. Tech's like, oh, you're threatening us. And it's a funny line. But, like, it really is her remembering, like, I have you under my thumb, so you're going to do what I want. But by the end, she says, come on, boys, first round's on me. And they run like kids who are going to get ice cream. Like, <laughs> that's a big shift in the dynamic between Sid and the rest of the Bad Batch to have that sense of yeah. uh, family and connection and empathy and attachment, you know? Yeah, well, first of all, that's going to be me this weekend in Seattle uh, when, when Ellis screams that. So um, <laughs> let's go to the bar. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I really felt at the end of the episode, uh, I've always already been a fan of Sid from a certain point of view. We don't know maybe where the character will land or haven't known. And, you know, you and I have said before, Rio Perlman, we're very excited to have Carla from Cheers in, in Star Wars. So it's been fun. But this is the episode I've felt I got to see see her, get to see a little bit more. And when the episode ends, you're so right. I, I, I almost am like, is she now part of the team? Does she fly around? <laughs> is she ready to go? Because also she's really good at action. She, she knows what to do. She got that cane, but she's moving like crazy. Oh, yeah. And she's strong, right? She's a Trandoshan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it really developed her character well. And I like that we even learned that Bolo and Ketch are a little bit more devoted to Sid <laughs> than we realized, right? You know, not just barflies. They're her agents. <laughs> I need a Ketch and Bolo spinoff for sure now. It's been oh. spring rain all season long, but yeah, give it to Yeah, me. come on. Come on. Just totally episodic adventures of uh, Bolo <laughs> and Ketch. Uh, Bolo and Ketch screw it up. I think that's what it should be called. Yeah. In- Every episode, they can screw something up. Like a new Saturday morning cartoon vibe. Star Wars. <laughs> uh, any other uh, thoughts on this individual episode before we talk about how they how it's reflected in larger Star Wars ideas? No, no. I think, I think you pulled that love. I, I mentioned the family legacy. It wasn't super 
super spotlighty display. But uh, I, I, I was um, intrigued by Roland talking about uh, the, the, the bonds of family and sometimes uh, those are heavy and uh, how it affected him. Uh, no, I'm right there with you. I think that that little conversation popped because of just sort of the relationship between Omega and Roland and kind of how it played out in the end of this specific episode. But yeah, that's part of what made it feel like this was really laying groundwork for introducing, you know, another family, another criminal element, definitely generational of Roland really feeling like I am somebody who has failed. I was trying to prove myself to uh, my mother, trying to prove myself uh, to the galaxy is a badass and I failed. Mm-hmm. And he, I love that he specifically says the philosophy of you, know, you take what you want. That's the Durand way, you know, yeah. and, and that's a, a thing that really connects um, the philosophy of Star Wars of the light side is about empathy and connection and uh, mercy. Yeah. And so many of the, the bad guys have the philosophy of uh, people who say that they're out to help each other are just lying. We know the truth is everybody is out for themselves. So the smarter thing to do is just be out for yourself, right? I mean, that's a Sith philosophy. That's a Nile philosophy. And that was really interesting to hear that presented in this generational way of like, I'm trying to live up to my family tradition of taking what you want. Yeah. Uh, And I thought it had great contrast in, in terms of being this little moment of generational thematics of Omega at the end with Hunter, right? Yeah. Because Hunter's been really trying hard to to protect her, to raise her. But there's these moments of really learning from her. And the way Hunter asked, why did you stick up for him after what he did? It was almost like Hunter was really like, I am trying to learn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Omega, you know, says that, I don't know, Ruby likes him. Maybe he's not all bad. And he kind of thinks about it. And for me, it was this great little inversion of Roland just desperately trying to follow in his mother Ice's footsteps. And then we got this contrast where Hunter is trying to learn from the younger generation because they know something he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, and perplexed by it, right? And and but 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 not a, not opposed to it. So uh, there's that theme of changes run through the entire season and, and generational change. I, I really like their tying it to the circle aspect there. Uh, we we keep saying it, and a child shall lead them. Omega's just kind of got the ability to t- to get things down to the core there's even some moments some of the, the, the conversation that you described as, as popping i think a pop for a lot of reasons because great horror this heist film and then all these things in the middle of it, it's this quiet one-on-one conversation well two-on-one if you count ruby in there as well right but, <laughs> exactly I, even with roland omega kind of just was able to boil it to the to the core issue yeah and like and she was still pissed at him but like yeah. even within that she was like um, well i'm listening and learning you know being yeah. observant uh, only other big Star Wars theme for me is just really continuing to show us this era, you know, the, the significance of the Pikes. Uh, they're always in power, but this question of like how much more power are they going to have under uh, the Empire, you know, and mm-hmm. just seeing the Pikes did get me excited for, you know, along the line, is, is there a, some Dryden Voss action? <laughs> Maul, yeah. Jabba, you know? Oh, yeah, you got me excited to maybe rewatch Solo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anything else uh, for you? Uh, in terms of, uh, the, yeah, the larger story here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you, you were touching on, but I, I, I had written this down, and, and it just, it seems almost cheesy. It seems almost cheesy, but but the dark side manifests itself in so many ways in these stories and in Star Wars, and and we literally have it going on here. You talked about the uh, uh, those creatures. What are they, Gleans? 
Erlings. Erlings. I got to I got to click on the CC the closed caption at some point in my life. I tell you man it's uh, it, midnight is let it wash over me and yeah. um, and uh the morning is all closed captions all the time. Literally every episode I'm like gosh dude the closed captions I don't. But but you, you, it's literally the dark side taking them over like I said you disturb it and and, and you and, and you touch it and and and, and you mess with it and it's going to take you over. And so this episode had the dark side and then literally the light side will get you through. <laughs> the idea of light being a savior, a light being a guide, a light being uh, a weapon of defense uh, and a weapon of survival. And how on one side you get support, loyalty, commitment, help, safety, results, good results. The other side is double crossing, lack of connection, support, prices to pay, pain, suffering. I know which side I'd like to lean to. <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I, I am on the side of text light bomb for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's great that you're pulling it out. I, we've talked about it before. Like, you know, you, you, the, the dark side and the light side aren't a unique to uh, Jedi. You don't need lightsabers or, you know, lightning from your fingers, from your danger fingers to, uh, mm-hmm. to make those choices. And this is an episode that really highlights that. And I think it, it is very, very intentional, particularly if you listen to the music. Like I said, at the beginning, w- when they're just landing, coming back to Ord Mantel, the, those are chords of doom. But then in contrast, when they're getting their, the ship over uh, that chasm to retrieve the spice and save Omega, the music is much more like brighter and proactive and, and hopeful. And, and those, those themes you're talking about are like they're in the music. Yeah, Chords of Doom was a great Yes album. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, the music is always it's so good. It's almost uh, similar to Mandalorian. It's so good you almost forget to talk about it because it's just such part of it. Part of the story, but uh, it really made all things aside about this episode and filler misplaced. You, the, that discourse can go someplace else. Just the adventure itself was such great Star Wars, like I said, horror and, and a heist film and all those things. We're talking about the individual moments after the break, but the music really worked for that and underscored what we were experiencing without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. And I guess my last uh, thought on the um, episodic uh, serialized filler discussion is I just I really do think it it makes a big difference of how you choose to perceive it. Because if you sit down and just say, I really like these characters, I like the Bad Batch, I like Sid, I want to see him have an adventure this week. Mm -hmm. You get to spend some time with him and get to see some cool things in a in a cool, weird space fantasy adventure. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. That. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about the sequence. There's uh, that, 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 that mining car sequence is, is one of my favorites. There was some great stuff there. So let's take a quick break and then we will get into all of those great moments in just a moment. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J E N I L A N D A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa1138. And we are back to continue our discussion of Bad Batch, episode 13, Infested. Uh, I thought this episode was infested with many great action moments, comedy moments, some fun canon stuff. So let's get into the infestation. Ken, did you have some favorite action moments? I have some favorite infestations. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the temp- what, I'm, what I'm calling the Temple of Doom chase sequences, it was familiar enough to where I call that. I'm not saying it's a direct one for one. 
ode, but just everything about it. But before that, actually, you know what? Before that, what sets a lot of that up is that what I, the record dropping the flashlight sequence. <laughs> that is so good. He yes. dropped it. It, you know, reminded me of, uh, you know, you fool of a took. Gandalf's going to yell at him. Uh, but the screams down below, the tension, the horror building up. I mean, that that pays off with the, the, the chase sequence. But I think a lot of that is owed to that moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I loved it. looked great uh, visually. It sounded great. And I, yeah, I love the design of just like hearing that scream from below the earth of did we did we set them off? And like, we didn't this time, but then you've also mm-hmm. just got that great tension for the rest of the episode. Like, uh, but you know, that, that's a, that's a Chekhov's hive. That's going off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, ni- it's a neat little trick and it was working. And, and you know, our guy Wrecker, oh, Wrecker. Uh, it just, it just worked. And you might have this in your comedy moments, but the delivery on it was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> there, but yes. yes. <laughs> uh, great stuff. Uh, yeah. So that sets it up. So then, uh, I imagine that you're just into the whole Temple of Doom uh, vibe. I, I think it's great, too. You know, Temple of Doom, we know it as Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom is, you know, borrowing from lots of other, you know, mm-hmm. cart chases and, yeah. you know, train rail chases and that kind of thing. Um, it's got this great vibe to it. But I thought there were a lot of, like, great specific moments of yeah. seeing our heroes choose to do cool specific things, too. Did did you enjoy some of those? Yeah, from from putting on the brakes um setting uh when uh what's hunter does the uh goes in kicks everyone out sets the cart reverse and leaps out as it goes away <laughs> oh, ah, come on that was just cool it was uh there it was john wick like to me or something like that i love that yeah absolutely that whole sequence of the the cleverness of it and the, the using the tools around him so resourceful uh but that initial just slam on the brakes and the guards run into them and go flying out. You know how much I love it when people uh, scream and fall from a high place. That is just that space fantasy action adventure to me. And I just love that. (laughs) (laughs) One day we'll find out the reasons why, but we don't need to ask why we just need to enjoy it with you now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also like then once the, the earlings actually exploded and it was this huge overwhelming, uh, you know, a uh, mound, a flying mound of them. Uh, I like that when they just took one of the mining cars <laughs> with, yeah, with the yeah. guards in it. It was like, eh, we, we're just going to drag this down to the depths. Don't worry about it. Oh, it was kind of scary, man. It's like, damn, this is, uh, you know, we got something to be reckon with here. And, and were the early, early lanes, were they hungry or just pissed? I don't know. Both? Call them A, yeah. call Because they were just like, get out of here. Yeah, was it like what you fantasize you could do with a car that where their alarm won't go off? Like, it, you know, if you could just swarm out of your building with everyone who lives in your apartment building and swarm down on a Prius and throw yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> was it like that? It's making too much noise, or it was like, ooh, tasty, tasty. I'm gonna eat these guards. Yeah, because they they, I mean, I I watched this a couple. I did a little rewind. I, they take it apart, you know, not like piece by piece, but like they take the car, the cage out. They take the guys out. They take. They're just like. We're not going to eat this or destroy it or kill you. Just get out of it. Done with this. <laughs> yes, you have interrupted our nap. Yeah. Uh, what were some other moments for you? Uh, at the end of the entire sequence, I really enjoyed the ceiling of the door. Ceiling of doors. There's an end of an action sequence trope, right? We've seen that a lot. Uh, I, and I love just uh, the, the energy of just uh, the, the green slime as one almost gets through. Uh, I thought that was a fun... Uh, a fun evocative ending to that uh, wonderful horror sequence. Yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely horrible. And it, it continues this great uh, Star Wars physics that even large bugs are like 
bugs that you sometimes uh, slap in real life that they just sploosh. <laughs> yeah. uh, it reminded me very much of the Luke Skywalker level in Battlefront 2, which has some great philosophy and then just tons and tons of bug murder. Yes. <laughs> and they just explode, right? Yeah. 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 So. Uh, yeah. So I, I really like that door closing. Yes. Uh, in, in the, the final sploosh. Final sploosh, indeed. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it just one of my favorite ones is the end of uh, Game of Thrones season four when the uh, uh, reanimated skeletons are chasing them and they go into the the, the cave under the tree, uh, trees, and and then just the bones splatter everywhere as they get to safety. It just it reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. I this was kind of an action moment. Uh, I like it when uh, the the Pike said the child stays here, and the entire Bad Batch whip out their blasters all at once. You know, you, yeah, it was so great. It was just what what uh, you know what a great visualization of their bond. Yeah, you and I wrote down the same boat, just pulling the blasters and pikes, just just without hesitation, not knowing. Yeah, they learn a little bit later what maybe they're up against, but they didn't care. And that's that's yeah. what I want. I want them not to care in those moments. And it's also just a great, like, if you're going to have, you know, what we sometimes call like a playground or a bar debate, depending on your age, of like, who's the fastest draw amongst the Bad Batch? Like, well, we just have video evidence. <laughs> there you go. Who won? I didn't see. Did you focus on that? Um, I think Hunter wins. Uh, I believe Tech loses uh, <laughs> by a significant amount, which is okay, because he's a winner in many other ways. Oh, are we but, doing this? <laughs> uh, but that's the last big one for me. Tech's light bomb was so great. Um, yes. I, I, the, I think the show does a good job in general of following up on the specific abilities of the different characters. I think sometimes it is, uh, you know, used for humor. Sometimes their differences are used to really just show uh, characters who have this great bond and are this family, but also just perceive the world differently. And other times for this, it's just like really the action adventure skill set. Like they all kind mm -hmm. of assume that tech is probably doing something like tech, you working on like, yep, I'm working on something that will resolve this problem that we absolutely know is going to come. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to finish this before nightfall. And mm -hmm. it, you know, it, the, the symbolism of it is not subtle, but mm -hmm. it's powerful, you know, in that actual just visualization of that light bomb going off. And then all of those earlings just kind of uh, skittering and flying out into the night. It's it was like cathartic, right? It's like, oh man, I need some light bombs for uh, <laughs> different parts of my life. It might be one of my favorite shots in the show. It just it looks beautiful and it just feels yeah. cathartic to me. Yeah, I mean, they need to mass uh, produce those there for 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 future use. Uh, Tech's light side bomb incoming <laughs> indeed. Exactly. Uh, so that's it for me. Any other action moments you wanted to highlight? No, I mean there was a lot of great action episodes. But that sequence was uh, the sequence was great, man. Just the, the great use of the mining carts, uh, uh, the bad guys just firing up the engines, and you know what that's going to do. Uh, yeah, uh, I thought it was really really well done. Yeah, tons of fun. Uh, and speaking of fun, let's get into any favorite moments of comedy, whimsy, or weirdness. I thought there were a lot of great moments in this episode. Uh, what did you uh, gravitate toward? I'm just going to, I, I love this tech line. I'm, I'm sure it's on your list as well, but given his tone, it's a plausible assumption that Sid was either forced out or taken out. <laughs> Got it, tech. Yes, he was offering those different interpretations of the word out, and it was mm -hmm. almost as close as he gets to like, I know some lingo. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes in gangster circles, out can mean murder. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, that that was a great one. Uh, I got a lot of tech in, a, in, you know, I didn't write them all down, but, you know, this is, was just a a tribute to Wrecker screaming. 
<laughs> screaming, oh, yeah. moaning, uh, all sorts of stuff. But I really liked uh, early on. Uh, it is not the first time she has left out key details, Tex says, um, about Sid. But there has been this ongoing thread about Tex sometimes not telling people the things that they need to know because he thinks it's obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also really obsessing when, on, when other people leave out details. <laughs> this great m- m- uh, ongoing kind of joke of uh, hypocrisy that he's <laughs> yeah, not yeah. aware of. Yeah, that's, that's funny. That's not, yeah. Love that. Um, yeah, a lot of little Sid lines for me, too. Just start climbing tough guys. Uh, I, you know, again, it was, I could just do a, a sound drop uh, parade of Sid, Sid <laughs> goggles, muscles. Tiny. Yeah. Tiny. Oh, yeah, that's right. Tiny with Omega. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that I, I highlighted this Sid line before because of the threat, but I thought it was great comedy of uh, don't forget how good I've been at keeping secrets. And Tex says, I believe she's threatening us. You're quick. <laughs> yes and that's one of those ones like you know your quick is a is a fine line uh but it's one where uh a person like Rhea perlman who has been uh delivering <laughs> yeah. snark uh with a plum for decades uh that that is a a performance driven line to me of you're quick it's so funny her and text do do remind me of carla and fraser at times <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely that's so great um it, it, other moments for you uh i uh oh bola okay new plan and then it just bolts <laughs> I, I want them in a sitcom man catching bola yeah i was really entertained uh on just the establishing shot of uh not only is sid kind of doubled around and is hiding on the marauder but bolo and kench have come along and they're playing cards on gonky like gonky's just a table <laughs> yeah gonky's probably happy with this purpose yeah yeah you know gonky just wants to be involved for yeah. sure uh, the through line of wreckers fear of heights without calling it out and just kind of trusting that the audience has followed along and uh, he's got a lot of yelling. Uh, he's got a lot of uh, muttering and panting. There's that uh, at the end when Sid's kind of teasing him. Is that bad? It wasn't that mm-hmm. bad, right? And he's like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I wrote that one too. Yeah, Sea Muscle wasn't so bad. For, yeah. It just was it, very well acted. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's like I said, a runner. It's a great joke, but just it's very real every time it happens. It's just, oh, you got to be kidding me. Like all those kind of things. It, it hasn't gotten old for me yet. I, I just uh, really do love Wrecker. Yeah, and, and it was really a, a highlight of delivery this week. I also wrote down a record screaming on the comms, get us out of here. Yeah. <laughs> it is true panic, just amazing uh, delivery. Um, I also like that moment. It, it, it's, uh, it was jokey, but it really established the truth of Roland's uh, connection to Ruby and, and kind of his uh, conflicted nature that he's trying to be this badass, mm. but he's got uh, these uh, softer sides to him. Uh, when he's been, he's found Ruby, got her away from Bolo and Catch, and he's like holding her up and kind of making kissy faces. And <laughs> Roland says to Ruby, "Don't worry, we'll catch those two and kill them. Yes, we will." <laughs> <laughs> it's like a great, funny contrast, but it's also like showing us the truth of the contrast of this character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I got just a couple more, but uh, I want to see if you have any more. No, no, I think I, ca- I captured all the banter I loved. Uh, you know, sit on full display here. Yeah, yeah. Last one for me. This is a very tech heavy episode. I really love tech going full Wikipedia. We got to see his little data pad where he's uh, mm-hmm. looking up uh, the name of the creatures. You know, the, the tarot creatures we encountered in the cabin are Earlings. <laughs> and it just was full, full Wikipedia. 
And as he says it, we go into our own Wikipedia uh, portals. Yeah, I, I'm fully expecting to see little notes that this was edited by tech on Wikipedia in the real world. All right, well, let's get into then uh, moments of canon, lore, connections to other stories. I thought there was some interesting stuff here. Um, of course, right at the top, uh, she failed to mention the drop zone would be swarming with gun darks. Yeah. How do you feel about this? This is kind of a go-to if mm. uh, if somebody wants to mention uh, something unpleasant that has happened. It's often with gun darks. I think it's a great tradition. Yeah, a nest of gun darks. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think that's really fun. Yeah, yeah, and and like I said, I just really like that line because at first it's like, yeah, Gundarks, yeah, this really has that connection to you know uh, pulled you out of that nest of Gundarks, master uh, attack of the clones conversation. Um, but it really did make me feel like, yeah, this is smart to really give some room to we can tell these adventures. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, one of the big canon things there was, of course, you know, that whole Pike syndicate, uh, which we have seen in many places, Clone Wars and Solo in particular, made me really feel like, hey, somebody call Quaid Tolsite <laughs> from Solo. Uh, but it also really was, I think, for me, a, a another, we got to see the Zygerians who are, are in the criminal underworld, but, but from this very specific, you know, our culture is built on, uh, you know, capturing sentient beings and, and enslaving them. Uh, but the Pikes are like, no, spice, drugs, <laughs> that's our whole thing. Sure. Uh, and this picture of this is, is this a good time for them? Because, you know, no Jedi getting in their business and uh, no Republic laws. The Empire's going to be lax. You know, how did you feel about seeing them? Uh, yeah, I, for, for whatever reason, I love seeing the Pikes. I don't know. I just, uh, I, yeah, I wrote Pikes and Pikes and Spice, too, which sounds like a, Great drink you can get at the first Starbucks in Seattle, which I'll probably try tomorrow morning. Yeah, I, I just some about it. Um, uh, they're sort of so formidable. They're they're they in, in, inside a lot of fear in people, and I just so therefore knowing they're around, knowing this is uh, you know what we see in Solo, what we hear other places. Uh, there's something about it I just like. I'm fascinated with the design. Uh, you know, this is kind of uh, with the, a little bit more of the maskless version. Uh, so I love uh, I love imagining the, uh, the was it the little spit valve drain thing that Quite Wallside has on that. <laughs> a lot of things to think about. But yeah, uh, the, they bring a, a sense of danger, and they really uh, c- you know connect uh, the story to the underworld, and, and I have fun with that. Yeah, and and direct uh, connections to season seven of Clone Wars with uh, Trace and Rafa and Ahsoka really dealing with them and, and questioning whether they're they're a, a group of people to be dealt with at all. Yeah, uh, interacted with at all. I also just think it, they look and sound cool, right? I mean, you're talking about the yeah. look, but the sound. You know, I was really appreciating again this morning, just like the delivery and that just that that creepy, spooky with the effect of it does make you feel like oh, but they're just a couple of them and they don't even seem to be that heavily armed, but yeah. they command such fear is, is a really cool thing. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, I've, I don't know why I've made a lot of references to ocean 11s, uh, ocean, uh, the ocean 11 movies re- recently, but like, uh, you know, Terry Benedict, Andy Garcia playing him where it's like, is he a threat? Yeah. Cause everyone's like, yeah, he'll go after your family. He'll go after your livelihood. He'll, he'll bankrupt your, your brother-in-law's car dealership. Like the Pikes have that kind of weird. And here we are at a heist, heist picture at a, at a, at a, at a criminal underworld, uh, Star Wars story. They have that kind of energy of like, cause I was thinking just, just do it, shoot him, go in the run. Like, what do you think? But the fact that Sid's like, no, no, you can't. Uh, yeah. Kind of oddly intriguing. 
yeah, that power when she puts her, her claw arm on Hunter's uh, gun hand is just like, let me handle this. Don't do this. <laughs> it's really powerful. Um, Ruby, uh, we talked a little bit uh, that uh, she is featured in that Battle Scars episode and that Sid was hired by Roland. So that was a little bit of a canon connection within the Bad Batch. See, these details all start to come back pretty quickly. Uh, did, did you remember that or did you... When you first saw Ruby, were you like, "Oh yeah, of course," or did you have to jog your memory? Uh, it was, it was a, it was a, "Oh yeah, of course." Why is that striking a chord? Type of looking it up, type of thing. Uh, so I think, I think it's great that you pointed out and, and really refreshed uh, all of our minds. Uh, and again, yeah, I'm not. It's, I'm not. This is where I'm not. I'm not going on dying on some Roland Hill of of connections to Roland. We might never see him again. I don't know, but I just that that's not throwaway to me. That you yeah. heard mentioned, you got Ruby. There's this connection. Ruby softens Roland for us. A little bit of a save the cat vibe. If if you're putting together characters, um, there's all, all things too that 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 if if you start again, not unlike Hondo had some comedy made you laugh while he was threatening you early on, and then he turns on into something a little else, more of an ally and crazy Uncle Hondo. Um, I don't know if Roland becomes that a wisecracking antihero, but it's not throwaway to me. No, it's not throwaway. And I think the reason that I'm kind of fascinated with that Ruby canon is is Ruby felt like uh, just a, a fun detail to show o- Omega's humanity and to show this kind of uh, cruel world where everything is about money. Like, who knows? I, I know you I think the record even has the like, I can't believe you named that thing, you know? Yes. Um. So there's a lot on in, in that first episode with Ruby, where she just seems like hey, it's just a just a little plot point to signify things about uh omega's character and then maybe she's going to be a stew who cares deal with it mm. and then rex comes and you just think like oh well, that was just a ruby's just a little thing to show us omega yeah. but then here she comes back and you know the, the part of the star wars story that everyone is important um that this character of <laughs> this pet can come back and have a little bit more meaning then she then it seemed like she was going to in her first appearance and i think that is really true of roland i, I yeah i think so yeah i would yeah ruby wasn't filler that she's not filler now <laughs> uh here's what i wrote down for roland in canon roland is new uh but most importantly for me roland is not Vizago from rebels <laughs> yeah yeah uh because i had that like oh, um you know, I, I've I've watched Rebels. I've enjoyed Rebels. I don't personally know Rebels in as much detail, but as soon as I saw that Devor- Devaronian, I was like, "There's that Devaronian in in Rebels." Is that? I, I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Is that it? And then you know, when they pushed him down, I was like, "Oh, they're cutting off his horn," because I remember that. And then he's like, "I don't think that's the same guy." And then I looked it up, and like, not the same guy at all. Uh, opposite horns uh, broken, but yeah. but that is Visago's whole thing. Is you know, yeah, uh, the the broken horn, and I believe that's what his his group is named on yeah. Lothal right uh, yeah yeah so I was just kind of intrigued by that of like uh I, I I don't think there's a connection other than there's a similarity of like uh I guess Deveronians it's it's uh it's hard out there for their horns how did you feel about that yeah I, I thought it was like this is just is this just what people do to punish them is this just a problem throughout the galaxy uh yeah I had a moment too I, I uh I'm perhaps a little more familiar with Rebels than you are, but even that, I, you know, Vizago's got uh, with a Russian accent, if I believe, something like that. Uh, but, I, but I had that, I had that moment too of, this means something, even if it wasn't a direct connection. So uh, I'm with you on that. And, and uh, it, the Deveronians are, yeah, I'd love to see, I'd love to see Roland go, uh, go good. So we have, uh, spend some quality time with a nice Deveronian down the line. 
Oh yeah, yeah, no, I think so. And um yeah, I think um the uh the Deveronian who appears in Mandalorian also has some horn injury, right? <laughs> Din shuts yeah. the door on his horns. <laughs> Careful them horns, kids. So I hope the next Deveronian we see is just like nobody is touching my horns. <laughs> That's Protect your it. horns. Yeah. But then just uh for for big canon talk, I really do feel like the amount of time spent setting up Roland Rand and the mother Isa is like I, I don't think like and it's gonna be important to the sequel trilogy down the line. Like, no, I, I think it just feels like this is world building for this era and these characters, and this is another uh possible enemy, ally, frenemy uh for the bad batch to encounter again maybe in this season maybe in another yeah maybe yeah rolling going up against that family legacy and approaching it from a different direction uh could be possible yeah yeah um that's that's about it for me for canon anything else for you no no i'd say it was a a canon light episode it was its own thing uh set up some future canon for itself yeah was there anything then in this episode that you disliked or questioned Again, overall, I get I get the the conversation up top. I, I'm saying misplaced in the sense of, you know, uh, Oasis releases a great album in '94 uh, uh, with uh, what's the story Morning Glory. You got track eight, Cast No Shadow. Track nine is She's Electric, and you're like, what's this doing here? It's a fun little uh, jingly jangly song, but it's not what I've been listening to here. Uh, I get it. All right, I get it. I'll say it's a little misplaced in terms of the running order, but I also think it was right where they wanted it to be, and let's see where it goes. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. I think that's a good uh, a good um, analogy. I, I think uh, I think it's a little bit like uh, on Appetite for Destruction, the song I think about you. There you go. <laughs> think about you, technically. You know, it's a it's a good solid song, but it is right there in the midst of all time classics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I I really enjoyed the episode for what it was, and I think it's only going to become you know uh, better as the story goes on and we see. Uh, all the ways that it is maybe uh, more significant than uh, we at first see it. But man, y- if you set that aside and just watch it for what it is, there's so much that's fun and interesting about it. So there was not anything that I disliked or questioned other than my own uh, Deveronian horn confusion, <laughs> which was quickly taken care of. Uh, do you have hopes for the next uh, uh, episode? Uh, uh, crosshair. Pedal to the metal, uh, it chases them. Uh, yeah, I, I want that to happen. I want, I want it to, I want this to go home, uh, real strong and real uh, big and epic, and and I want that too. I wanted it for this week. I, I didn't necessarily get it, and I'm still thinking that's going to happen, and and we'll see see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. I think um, for me, I uh, accidentally saw the episode title. I know that they have been uh, yeah, I did too, yeah. released or leaked. I accidentally saw it on Wikipedia. I choose not to look. I'm not going to say it in case any listeners uh, choose not to look. Um, but uh, uh, I think the uh, the pedal to the metal of which we've been speaking, it, I think will be uh, mm-hmm. coming next week. Yeah. yeah. Um, based on the title. Um I also just thought this is kind of a canon thing uh, when Sid says, you know, Ord Mantell is at this uh, junction of all these different uh, routes. And, you know, my shop is a really good place for these kinds of transactions. Uh, there, that also did make me think on the sort of the bounty hunter side of it. Did this adventure expose, you know, Bad Batch and Omega in particular location a little bit more to bounty hunters. I, yeah, it's got to make, I had this thought uh, at the end when they do go back for those drinks, right? And they have that, like, they're just kind of walking in after all that. I'm like, who else is there? Now I'm, I'm now I'm feeling the need to be a little more careful even in, uh, you know, in, in Mantel Mixtown. 
So I'm right there with you on that. <laughs> and I hadn't really thought about, uh, I don't know what sort of a police or mortician services there are mm. <laughs> on Ord Mantell. But that fun ending, we're like, yay, uh, Sid's going to buy us a drink amidst the corpses. <laughs> that, that place is full of bodies right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Bolo and Ketch are going to be doing some heavy lifting, yeah. put it that way. They're going to go to uh, feed them to the pigs there. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that... Um, that will be uh, next episode. Is just Bolo and Catch having a weird grave digger adventure, <laughs> feeding, feeding them to puffer pigs. <laughs> a little uh, Deadwood. Uh, uh, yes, yes, absolutely. That would be great, and I I, I want space elsewhere engine there too. Uh, <laughs> saying all the filthy Star Wars words. Criff and Carabast. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm also for next week's episode. I continue Hondo watch. i think that hondo does totally fit into this world like there's no way that hondo does not personally know sid right yes yeah Yeah. so i think we're gonna get hondo's take on the empire sooner or later is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on ken i i I final i really dug the designs of roland's henchmen i thought they were kind of cool had kind of a bounty hunter-ish henchman vibe yeah yeah, no, they were a great combination of, you know, the designs we've seen, everything from like Republic Guards, Mandalorian Guards to Bounty Hunters. That's a great uh, new kind of spin on some just cool Star Wars armor. So I really like that. Uh, I've already talked about the thing that uh, I was going to talk about here, which was how much I really enjoyed uh, the music this episode. I thought it was really great and, and really uh, set you up to tell you what emotionally this this episode was about. So mm. great job on the music. As always, then, we're going to close out with a fun question. Ken, if you could have a figure or toy inspired by this episode, who or what would you want? I need, it needs to be a, a plush uh, ruby with a, some Mantel mix, uh, like some plush <laughs> Mantel mix, like a little display. Uh, yeah. Oh. I think you need that. I mean, come yeah. on. When she ro- ruby rolls over and they scratch your tummy, you need to come on. Yeah, I would love that. Uh, I am often on about my my cinema scenes, the three action figures uh, set up in a little display in the box. Uh, and I would really like a cinema scene of Bolo and Ketch playing cards on Gonky. <laughs> yes. Get action figures of them all. But really, like, this is never going to happen. But, you know, if Hasbro wants to do a big HasLab for a mining shaft playset, you know, uh, in the cars have a little button where you can hit it and it throws your guard action figures out. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It could come with a little light bomb that's got a little battery in it and a little yeah. uh, flashlight that goes pew, go with your early in action figures. Ah, oh, ah. Oh. Yeah. Batteries not included. You totally see an 80s commercial for that. Crash or <laughs> crash in action. Glunk. Yay. Slam the brakes, Hunter. Will do. <laughs> oh man now I, I wish i had time to just make 80s action figure commercials for for modern action figures it would be so much fun yeah anyway great episode great discussion this week i uh, know we need to get moving because you've got some comedy to do in seattle which seems like a great way to transition into telling people where they can find us absolutely i'm gonna be doing a lot of ruby humor on stage tonight uh or tomorrow night uh yes yeah, so uh you can find us here first at four center or some of you might be listening uh who are not regular listeners because of the bad batch reviews you can find us on twitter at four center pod we're on instagram youtube as well we have a facebook page four center podcast you can get an audiobook 
book on us by going to audibletrial.com slash four center. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash four center. And then uh, we're available in a lot of different spots. Anchor, Spotify, Apple uh, Podcasts, of course. Uh, I know they went through a refresh everyone's a little grumpy about. So uh, try listening on Amazon Music, uh, other places as well. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash four center. Again, for my uh, adventures around this galaxy, go to uh, at catnapsuck or catnapsuck.com. There is still time if you're listening kind of uh, Friday or Saturday afternoon and you're in the Seattle area. Uh, head on out to Elcor Zone Theater and get some tickets to see me, Mark Ellis, Star Wars fan extraordinaire, and our pal Daniel Bridge Gad doing some stand-up comedy up in, uh, in Seattle. Yeah, go check that out. It'll be tons of fun. Uh, for myself, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I'm having a lot of fun sharing my action figures on TikTok. My handle on all those social media places is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all my other comedy adventures, uh, comedy albums, my other podcast, Obsessed, links to the television show I've worked on, all sorts of uh, great fun stuff on josephscrimshaw.com. But for now... For myself, for Ken, and of course, for Ruby, this has been Bad Batch Report. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.